Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niches neat. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt. And Yo. today we have, since he's here for a second episode, he's been upgraded from guest star to recurring. It is Montefurum himself. Monty, <laughs> welcome back. Montefurum. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Dude, Mortif- awesome. Mor- Mortifurum, the, the yeah. origin of that reference, is a fantastic band, so it's quite the compliment. <laughs> no, it I, truly I, is. Yeah, thank I you guys I, for I having I, uh, me back. So I really appreciate it. Of, of course. Thanks for yeah, coming we, back. Uh, we, we had a lovely time shooting the bleep with you last week, and we can't wait to do it again. But this time, we have a point in mind, and we are going to talk to wait, everyone about dead genres no i just thought i was just vibing out man i don't Don't, know why harsh my momentum here that line it is shit austin (laughs) came to my mind uh before before we jump into our main topic ben i do have some some uh maintenance with some of our other fans okay um so last last this week our biggest fan is of course brennan um coming in coming in hot he uh he also wanted to shout out monty um he said he really enjoyed you being on the show um he also said don't talk shit about philadelphia and i i complimented (laughs) philadelphia by saying that it's not worse than pittsburgh oh i thought he was talking about the movie but all right (laughs) i'm just going to address this briefly philadelphia I'm going to address this briefly, all right? Okay. Philadelphia as a city is fine. If you're going to go to a week-long stadium event with independent events in the city, it, it is it is not the right infrastructure at all whatsoever, and I am dreading it. Um, for, for, you say if you're, if, you're, if you're there for anything other than an event? That's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, the only time I, the only time I spent in Philly was for a, a, a metal festival, and it was acceptable, though it was it was really difficult to get anywhere. Yes, yeah. I, I also like how everyone parks like in the middle of the oh. road. Yeah. Oh, so fun fact about the middle of the road in Philadelphia. I learned while in Philly from some local lady yelling at us that in Philadelphia, the. Uh, pedestrians have no rights on the road so like the pedestrian never has the right of way so if a car hits you while you're walking through um a crosswalk then they're not at fault and you are for not paying attention philadelphia philadelphia it might be the other way around but either way it's a dumb law that's pretty interesting actually wow well thank you to our biggest fan which is is it brennan or is it mason it's Brennan, but I, the other okay. how the other maintenance I had was from two weeks ago. Uh, from two weeks ago, we didn't mention who the biggest fan was, nor did we give a passcode. Um, but two weeks ago, Mason actually did come in hot and take take the uh, uh, top position by getting his response in that same Thursday morning. The episode released before noon. That's pretty damn good. Well, hey, if you would like to be our biggest fan. Please use the passcode today. Uh, Monty, tell them what it is. Uh, let's go with Jean Jacket. Judge Jean Jacket. You heard him. It needs to have both judges in there or else it does not count. Judge Jean Jacket. 
Message that to us on Instagram, which of course the handle Matt is at fourth times the charm. The sexiest that's not, insta. That's not what it is. Is it at fourth times the charm official? <laughs> yes, because there was another. Yes, because we stole fourth times the charm from those other people. Um, at yeah, you can find us on Instagram at fourth times the charm. You can find me at Doctor Gore Wizard and Ben at Smash Enigma. Monty, I don't know if you have social media, nor if you want to share it I do. Um, yeah, feel free to check out My Eyes, My Belly. Ooh, <laughs> I do follow one. Monty, <laughs> yeah. um, and it is a fantastic uh, Instagram to follow. Uh, yeah, I don't I put anything do some updates, on my but... Instagram. <laughs> you should, Ben. Build up your brand. I don't... I I, I despise social media. Wait, like, you either, doesn't have you either need to become... No, he does. I he have an Instagram. Oh. I just don't use it. Come he doesn't on. leverage. He doesn't leverage his clout. You gotta get I, on I that. I try to. I try to live more in like present space. You know. Do yeah. Do that by taking videos of what you're doing, and <laughs> uploading them to Instagram. <laughs> it's it's just. But like, if I'm taking videos of the moment, I'm not. I'm not in the moment enjoying it. it. I'm which is why you fa- which is why you you enjoy the moment initially and then falsify it for content like a good content creator ben if i'm watching a wrestling show i can't film a spot after it's happened <laughs> good point but good just point. pretend that you care <laughs> do you know how many videos i'm going to take at your I'll, bachelor I'll, party that are going to end up on our instagram yeah but you're my social media manager matt Fuck you. That that that's the agreement here. Our, our agreement He's is that point there, I so. yeah the agreement is I edit and produce the episode. That's why he, I'm the producer and he's the director. Yeah. I put together the episodes and I kvetch and, about you and, know and, all and the minor and, issues and then Matt handles social media. If Ben and I were yeah. ever making a film, he would be the producer and I'd probably be a director. Ben would also probably be first AD. And I'm I the feel, shea, I'm the shea yeah. butter that. Uh, yeah, and you're shea your butter. Friction. You're the set. You're the you're the, you're, <laughs> you're catering. You're, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're catering. the catering table. <laughs> you're crafty. All right, I do that. <laughs> so, so you're the you're everyone's favorite part. Uh, so before we get into the meat of today's episode, what is one thing everyone would like to share from the last week? Well, I know there was one that Monty and I both wanted to talk about last week um, that we didn't get a chance to. Um, which is a tremendous new film that was released recently oh, by yeah. the one and only, the singular Jordan Peele, um, and his new sci-fi thriller, um, Nope. Yeah, that um, so was Monty, really good. So I know you, yeah, what, what did you think of the movie, Monty? I really liked it. I liked uh, the the mix of genres and all the, you know, the stuff that inspired like him to make this film um mm-hmm. like jaws um aliens um, close encounters close encounters oh yeah that's definitely a big yeah. one really really enjoyed it i especially yeah. like the, the 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 sub story in there the gordy story that was really good yeah it's a, it's been <clears throat> one of the more condemned parts of the movie so ben in, in you haven't have you even seen the trailer for this movie not really all right, I, so I it, generally don't watch trailers for movies. Should we I'm have a spoiler in. alert for Ben? Uh, I I won't spoil anything with this one, um, but like so, Ben. It, it, over the course of the film, there's like a main story arc that follows the the main protagonist and like their journey with this 
potentially nebulous oh it's oh, okay it's, it's in the trailer there's an alien there's a there's an alien of some sort doing thing you know doing bad things and these people are trying to investigate it and throughout the story there is a subplot about one of the characters and their experience on a film set as a child where a on-screen uh animal ha- like had an incident and it's woven throughout the movie and like in, in in the reviews like monty and i both uh saw it as like a really like unique way of using metaphor yes um, but yeah. on the other end of it some people said it just felt kind of useless but i, I and i don't want to say like that's because they didn't get it but i, I you know what man I, I i can see where they're coming with that but yeah for me i thought that 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 metaphor that story about yeah. that gordy is wow i i you know what i have to say that that was equally as scary as as that alien thing yeah the the scenes because because in in this one ben the um the jordan peele doesn't go for your traditional like jump scare alien movie um he actually uses there's one scene early in the film that utilizes the jump scares uh but to subvert what you think you're actually going to encounter later in the film like he he's very good at handling the the in, when something intense is about to happen mm-hmm. i think ben will like how he shot the gordy scene like halfway yes. through the film that was like oh my god my the hairs on my arms were standing up when they were peeking around the corner and you just hear it's one chaos. of the tensest yeah one of the tensest yeah. moments of the entire film and i i mean the i think the the testament to all of that though is because of the um, not only the way the movie looked like the the way they capture nighttime in this movie is like i don't i don't think i've watched a movie that has had like full darkness look so good really um, good. like we just because especially because this weekend we watched um dr no the uh first james bond movie mm-hmm. and in that it, it put it into stark contrast because the scene where they're outside at night on a boat and you can tell they just like, um, I think it's, what's the term here? The ISO just turned it like all the way. So it would look dark, even though it's clearly the middle yeah, of the, the day. Yeah, and the sky's like blue or whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah you can yeah, see the blue yeah. sky reflecting so, in the water, but they're all shadowy. And the, but yeah. like that contrasted with the, uh, with the way the cinematographer and lighter were able to capture darkness. In Have this you movie. seen? Oh. Have you seen like the size of the lenses they use to capture good footage at night? No, I've, I've seen mean, like the they're high like red cameras, but they're like two feet long. Just the lenses. Holy shit! I believe oh, it. I've because seen some, because wow. all they do is they absorb as much light as possible, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. like the bigger the lens, the more light's able to take in, and that's why you know back in the day you never had anything take place at night because they didn't have lenses that good. Yeah, um, I think, and there's yeah. something to this movie that that is in addition to the quality of the lenses in the film. I think what really supports the night scenes looking so good is the way the lighting was used. It has like the right like tonality to it that it doesn't feel right. like false dark. The right coloring. I'm, I think. I'm yeah. Guessing. Yeah. He did. He tried to do it like it, but. It's really remarkable how he did, and he didn't. He, I think he shot that film in an IMAX camera too, right? Those things I believe are so. I was too. like, yeah, 
he used so he used the the camera was a unique part um but beyond beyond that uh it's a high high recommendation the performances are all incredible uh daniel kalua kiki palmer everyone else in the movie is a tour de force of, of performance yeah um, matt what out of 10 what would you rate it so okay so well, well we have two scales here uh, right. uh we have a we have our five our scales five stars okay. um because we have our, our official five stars under 50 scale now did this does this movie have less than 50 reviews on amazon prime right now it does because it's not available so it counts <laughs> great it, it it anything that's seen in theaters before being released on streaming technically has zero reviews on amazon prime so it is perfectly eligible um and i would I would give it like a 4.75. It is. I don't know how else you could really do. How do you compare it to Get Out? Get Out was more impactful, but not as well made. Yes. I would say this is uh, definitely, it it shows uh, Jordan Peele's, uh, uh, you know, evolution of his filmmaking. And I would say, yeah, this is slightly better than Get Out. It's a different I, genre, though, you know. Yeah, it is. It's a different. Yeah. Well, so get get Ben. What I would re- reference to, and I don't. I don't know if you've seen either the this movie or the remake, but have you seen Funny Games, Monty? Yes. Uh, okay. Both 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 version. Yes. Okay. So Ben and I, Ben and I watched both versions as well, and it Ben like it had you had like a I don't know what to call it like an epiphany, but it was like an aha moment about film when we talked about it. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Funny yeah. Games is all timer level for me. Yeah, and so the uh, f- Funny Games is like in the same genre as in the Mouth of Madness for me. Where I, the, I can, the structure can, of the movie makes it perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, no, not that. I just think that tonally they're very similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah. I feel like to me, Get Out has more of the Funny Games effect, where what it does is so just like by the end of the movie i'm like oh hell yeah like i'm just very satisfied and excited by like their use of film and like the use of the story and funny games has like one of the best ending movie moments of all time um and get out kind of had that vibe where this movie doesn't have that but what it does is deliver an incredibly well executed and very very beautiful looking um story which i think is delivered better than in get out but i think to me, Get Out's better. Is more. I'd watch Get Out again more frequently than I'd watch Nope. It like repeatedly, but I think Nope is a better looking movie and a better made movie. Would you say? I don't know. Like, would you say Funny Games aligns more with? Um, I don't know. I I feel like it aligns more with us. I I think I think with the, the whole the, hostage the, situation like being that hostage, that right? yes but what I but what I relate get out and funny games together is insofar as that it delivers a very specific message in a very very good way where yeah. where wow. us, us had us like that that tone that ability to deliver the story because to me the the weakest part of us is the delivery of the story the movie's very cool and very well made and very interesting, but the way mm-hmm. they deliver the story is weak, weaker, not, not bad at all, but it's we- much weaker than the other two where uh get out has a way of delivering its story similar to a, how I feel funny games does where the point is like, so in your face and so well done that it's that much better. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, that's nice. <laughs> uh, Sorry, no. Which, I, was, I, I, I have to. I have to watch us. Uh, uh, the Jordan Peele trilogy so far. I, I, I have. That's the only one I haven't either. seen. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it it's cool. It's really cool. Um, but it, it like it expedition dumps exposition yeah. dumps in like the no way a TV exposition dump. No, not well. You you can do really good exped, exposition dumps, but they don't do it very well. It kind of just all floods at you at once. Knives but then the rest of the movie is really cool. Exposition dump. <laughs> what movie? Knives out. Knives out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's that's yeah. how you do. Well, like that. Well, we'll we'll talk about a specific genre of film that I think does exposition better than any other genre. Well. Uh, I let let's move this along. I do want to touch base. This past weekend, I was in Nashville for WWE SummerSlam, the first pay per view post awesome. the Vince McMahon era. Um, I did not Lebeck stick era. around to watch uh, Ric Flair almost die at seventy three years old in his final match. Did did they have that at the what? event, or was it somewhere else? It was it was the day after okay. SummerSlam. It was promoted by his son-in-law, who grew up yes. idolizing Ric Flair, and then it so happened to marry his daughter. Wait, Ric Flair wrestled? I thought he retired. He did. It's like, like it's like times. brutal. I I didn't watch oh. the full match. I watched clips and like oh okay. He he gets suplexed and he gets concussed. Yeah. He's in the corner and he looks like he's dying. Yeah, I saw, I saw pictures and it, it looks like uh, like his his uh his other son-in-law Andrade, who's a luchador, like he tries to get him up to do the finish at the end, and the dude's like shaking, like oh seven my three. God. They was, yeah. we almost got a, a like a realization of the movie The Wrestler. There we was there was a, a fan. No, it moment. was the wrestler. This is literally the wrestler. Like, yeah, but doesn't he like? There's there's not an almost. This was just <laughs> yeah. the wrestler. Man, um, if only he had died. Imagine if he just did, just like like took a clothesline and just went out. There was a sign in the crowd that said "Dead Man Walking," and I was like, "That's oh hilarious!" My oh my god, god. Yeah. that is amazing. That's uh, almost as good yeah, as the, the match. Sign. The match ended. Ric Flair got on the mic and he said, "I hope I did a good job. I can't remember half the match. All the stories you hear about me are true. Woo! I'm going to go drink." Wow. Oh no, that just got so sad. I know. No, Summer it's all right. So he, good he never stopped so drinking. Sad. He took like well, yeah, he took like oh, two shit. months off drinking and and then he's hasn't stopped since. So you know I, I think Ric Flair has come to terms with the fact that he is happy dying via his lifestyle. Like su- it, basically Ric Flair will die by suicide by Ric Flair. I have to yeah. say, he looks really good. I'm looking at pictures right now. He he actually looks really good for SummerSlam. I That's mean, all things considered, yes. Yeah. Wow. Let me look but, at uh, But anyway, SummerSlam. The, the ground looking like a corpse. Yeah, that one's also <laughs> not good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. The, he, the he actual looks, SummerSlam like event was good. Um. It's very clear that there is a new regime in charge. 
Mm-hmm. Not that there's any large sweeping changes, but like small details on the show make a lot more sense. Commentary's yeah. better. There's just it just seems like there's a lot less micromanaging, so that's nice to see. Uh, Nashville is a shithole. I hate that town. It's <laughs> muggy and it's hot, what? and the people there are all like what? they live in Los Angeles, except they're in Nashville, and the food's not good. Wow. Um, I mean, tell me how you really feel, then. <laughs> yeah, I don't like bottom, bottom, bottom four U.S. cities to visit for a wrestling event. Go. Why four? Because it was a it was a different number than five or three. <laughs> well, I I talked to a cameraman once. Okay. And we were in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he said, "Guys, like right in front of other people who are sitting next to us." He goes, "God, Knoxville, Tennessee has some of the." ugliest people in the entire country that's not nice he says do you know how hard it is for me to get a good shot of the crowd in knoxville tennessee it's impossible like i'm watching him look around the arena he's like who am i going to get reaction shots of they're all so ugly the only place uglier then Knoxville, Tennessee, is Evansville, Indiana. <laughs> is, he pra- is he practicing for a role as a heel in the? Are you sure this guy isn't in NXT like, right yeah, now? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like that. Just sounds no, so but he's from Kentucky, so there's just some built-in malice there, you know. Oh yeah, he was he was getting the ribbon on purpose. That was. A, I mean, I'm from Kentucky too. Homage. Like, like I don't like Nashville. Na- Nashville is like more it, it it acts more hoity-toity than it is than it like should well it's the country I, music capital of america right yeah see like as a canadian yeah I, exactly that's one of the places the con- i wouldn't yeah. mind checking out actually. yeah I mean, I Monty, what's things. your perspective it, on nashville i heard that nashville is like amazing like if you're into music <laughs> like that's a place you gotta go check out and i hear people no. there are very friendly and, and and stuff like that so it was no, it's on it's, one of my lists uh of c- cities to visit when i come to the u.s so it's a tourist trap there's like sure? nothing sure really like country and- music first off talk about dead genres country music is dead well, we'll get like, to it when we there, talk about Western. There has not <laughs> been commercially. There has not been commercially viable, like charting country music, pretty much in my lifetime. Um, and, and they've, like, all got, they've all kind of oh, gone no. popish, no? Well, it's stadium yeah, th- country. That's what now. I'm saying. They're all following the like, Shania Twain. Uh, uh, pop country yeah. style. Yeah, like I mean, the, I mean, the music is fine, but voice. it's it's not country. You know, like like well, you know, the like, most su- I... the most successful country music guy right now, or one of them is Steve Earle, and no one knows who Steve Earle is. Greta Von Fleet's kind of like rock country, right? But that's they, not well. Country. They just kind of sound like they kind of sound like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I I actually do right. like them. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that those artists are yeah, bad. Awesome. I'm just saying they're not yeah. country. So well, like, Nashville like, as a whole is sort of like that, where they're like, "Look, guys, we are country." Pew pew. <laughs> All right, we got like a museum over there, and we got Broadway Street, which is just a bunch of bars. Let's go, Broadway Broadway Street in Nashville. 
the worst traffic I have ever experienced in the United States. <laughs> Worse than so Times Square in New York. So you're okay, telling well, me it's not worth checking out then? Oh, I've been to New so, York. Yeah, their streets are pretty bad. Here, so. here, here, here's a fun thing. Um, if you're single, uh, Nashville happens to be the bachelorette party capital of America. I so, thought it was I, I, Vegas. Man, we should have gone there for your bachelor party. No, because it's cheaper than Vegas. It's cheaper. I oh, counted. Okay. Guess how many party buses I counted? Twelve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, pretty, I can't yeah, say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, followed like my 11 heart. 11 or 12 heart. party buses. And they all different Holy themes. Fuck. There was a party tractor. Oh, the, my there Lord, was, that's amazing. Well, yeah. That sounds like fun. But I, I think I, I would I, go for to check out their food scene, actually. Kid Rock Ooh. was at his bar just completely That's awesome. trashed. <laughs> how how did this doesn't I mean technically this doesn't sound terrible. It doesn't sound too much different than New Orleans unless it like unless it lacks the charm and character. That, of that's New the thing. It's New Orleans except it's just regular bars. Is it just like it's just Bourbon Street, but without the cool everything else around Bourbon Street? Yeah, it's like, like like if you like walk down like a like if you're in the French Quarter and you walk down like Royale, you're getting a very different experience. That like, but like it, a very different. It's experience, not. It's, it's not even compared because like because like part of the thing with New Orleans is there's like a character to the streets themselves, even. You know, there's a character exactly, to yeah. the brick pathways that are falling apart. There's a character to the shutters. There's a character to the ambiance and the way the streets are structured. Nashville is like if you take downtown Louisville, Kentucky, and you line up 10 bars next to each other and they play country adjacent music and that's it. There's there's no character. It, it, it's, it would be like if they had a... A, a TGI Fridays, uh, uh, an Applebee's, and oh, it's you like know. the Naperville. It's like Naperville, where it's a city that wants to be a shopping mall. It's it's the sh- it's the shopping mall of bars. Wow. Okay. okay. Now, That's okay. Now, so then, so then, Ben, and I, what would you then call the gym of the South for Monty to visit, like Savannah, Georgia? Like, the- what are we replacing with in that in that that realm of the country? <laughs> Did you say not, the gym of the the gym of the South? <laughs> yeah, like I mean, like Tennessee is like like a place you'd go to like experience Southern culture, but like it's not difficult to be. No, there. it's not. Well, depend. Yeah, I mean, I, Nashville I isn't. No, no Nashville Southern the same way Lexington, where I'm from, is Southern. Yeah, where it's... but I'm saying, what would be your gem of the South then? Because there's no if there's no reason to go to Nashville for the country music. Then, like, if you want to go visit a southern state, where are you going for that experience? Because Florida's Florida's out. I, I well, Florida's don't think not really any... south either. Yeah, no, Florida's its own thing. Florida's a separate trip. I think you, you can take out North Carolina and like because like, you go to Asheville, but that's just kind of like a mountain town. That doesn't really count either. Right. I don't. I don't think there's anything worth going to in Alabama, and New Orleans is also its own little thing. Like, are you going to Austin? Like, like, where are we, where are we, Austin. where are we sending Monty? We have to pick Monty's travel destination to replace Nashville. Away? Away? 
Is is that an option? No, I mean, no, I, yes, look, I sent him to a beautiful southern U.S. city. Look, I grew up a lot around these parts. I know Mississippi's terrible, Alabama's yeah. terrible. Exactly. Atlanta's all right, mm. but I feel like it's too metropolitan to be like the southern. You know, in and terms of best, like big the, cities, the best Atlanta's food in Atlanta's a good is one. in all the strip clubs. Okay. Um, there's a whole thing like they're like, are, they're like there's like they have what? notoriously good strip club food in Atlanta. It's a completely real thing. Do people actually eat in the strip club? Yeah, no, because there's incredibly good food in them. Really, like Arkansas is not clean? great. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely they like ju- the people go there just for the food. Oh, okay. Well, you know and what? Just, just I just want to correct. I just want to correct myself. I thought you said gyms, as in G Y M, not. Oh gym. now no, I'm like, G-E-M. okay, how does that make sense? But now, no, during the conversation, I kind of picked it up. I okay, Richmond, Virginia, Ooh, Rich Richmond, Virginia. That that's Virginia, a good town. Yeah. You'd enjoy yourself in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, that's like I've that's heard... like that's like not really south. Yeah, I was but gonna say like that's it's... like that's borderline, but it's safe. But like West Virginia has the character of the South, and it's further north than Virginia. Well, it was yeah, West Virginia was the you know ca- capital of the Confederacy. That's right. <laughs> so so yeah, look, if you're gonna send my options yeah, are Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and the Carolinas. I don't got a lot yeah. for you. Okay, Charlotte doesn't work. Greenboro, Raleigh is terrible. Actually, you I, know, what? Only, I have, I have Savannah, friends there. Savannah, Georgia is the only other. Well, Raleigh's one. all right. Raleigh yeah, but it's is boring. Fine. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, but it's fine. M- I, most went, of I went North there Car- for. <laughs> North Carolina is fine. North yeah, Carolina, yeah, I don't great. think is is very southern. You know, no, no, no uh, North, they North have Carolina's really good mountain people. They have a really good independent wrestling company out there, DPW Deadlock Pro Wrestling. Shouts out. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I've been down to Tennessee's a shithole. I've been down to North Car- uh, Cal- uh, North Carolina, and it's uh, Charlotte. Okay. It's pretty, yeah, Charlotte's it's nice. small. But then, mind you, I I went like years ago. Uh, I'm not sure what it's now, but I hear their if beaches you... are very nice. So yeah, yeah, the yeah. beaches are nice. The real the real gem of the Carolinas is the section of the Appalachia Appalachia that runs through it. Um, there's a road called the Blue Ridge Parkway that is one of the most beautiful scenic roads I've ever driven on in my life. Um, oh, is that the windy road with all the trees in autumn? We, you mean like of the photos I took and sent you? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yes, it's one of them. There's also, it's yeah, also yeah. Uh, connects to the Dragon's Tail, which is like the curviest road in America. It's like a hundred and forty seven turns and two miles. It's near there. Um the Blue Ridge Parkway is like a specific section that goes through uh north out of Asheville, uh, North Carolina and runs all the way t- um to- all the way up towards uh where's the city? Um to Boone, which is a cool city. Um uh, but it's like a famous driving road and it, it really captures what that part of the United States is all about like geographically and culturally. Yeah. I feel like visiting 
that part of the U.S. is best to do is like a drive, like drive oh, yeah. through the state, stop like here and there for something. But I don't, don't think there's a, math. I don't think there's a lot of cities that could like really hold your interest for more than a day. Um, we'll put a pin in that for now. I've I've truly expressed my disdain for Nashville. <laughs> it's time to talk about some movies. It's time to talk about some genres. It's time <gasps> to go into some undead cinema. Ooh. Oh man! Oh, that's a look. I was trying to think of something on the I... spot. Yeah, I know. I just like I loved it and hated it all at once. I was like thinking like deep dives or something. Like I, you went, you went very specific, and I think that elevates it. Okay, so the so that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll call. I'll say it's good. I'll, Mo- I'll call. Monty, it good. you're our ben, shea butter. What do you think? I, I thought that was a very good intro. So that was a real right. shea butter answer. Thank you, Monty. That was, smoothed it out. You smoothed out the edges. You made our. You made our. You made the toast that Ben and I are much more enjoyable. Well, welcome to Undead Cinema, where we talk about dead genres of films and movies that have tried to bring them back from the dead. With varying degrees of success, we yeah. all have our own topics we'd like to share today. Um, mine is really off the the trail, so to speak. So I don't know if we want to open with that. Well, let can I, let me give kind of a brief introduction here. Um, in in film and in culture in general, we've had huge swaths of what's popular and what's not. You know, a great example is pop music has sounded a hundred different ways over the last 100 years can you um, name 10 of the different ways matt 10 of the 10 different ways i could probably name five um when it, when it comes to what pop was so you have you have early early on we can say in like the, the we'll say we'll call it the beatles era um pop music was what was considered pop music was the beatles was the sweet kind of sing-songy sound that they defined um, you see that evolve and, and in the seventies, uh, what was pop music was disco and like disco adjacent j- dance music, um, for the, for a while rock and roll as a more mainstream Elvis Costello kind of vibe, um, became pop music and rock was it for the longest time. Um, and then you had a shift toward traditional singer songwriter. Um, we have the big evolution of pop where we had like the Britney Spears actual, like what would be considered a modern pop star and that pop star is vocally driven beat uh, music. That's really like ensembled and like very generally approachable. Um, and then hip hop and R and B kind of took that place. Um, and then the most recent iteration sees kind of a mixture of uh, like trap and actually really kind of experimental pop music right now with artists like, uh, um, like Dochi and artists like Billie Eilish and, um, uh, like artists like lady gaga who are really pushing the folds of pop music um which is a really interesting time to be a pop fan because it's really at its greatest expression a lot uh, pop, of uh, a lot of options out there definitely yeah 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 and and what is considered pop has changed and like that there are styles that no longer exist um and that's the same for film so like a great great example of stuff that doesn't exist anymore is things like the musical we don't see musicals anymore um, they used to be like 70% of what was popular. Um, and we've had two recently, La La Land and Les Mis, that kind of like 
shot their shot and didn't do anything. Um, torture porn has completely disappeared from the zeitgeist. Um, specifically, ensemble rom-coms have fallen off as another example of some things that have just like stopped existing. Um, and then we have, we have a couple other examples that we'll get to, but those are some examples of, I, I just wanted to give people kind of a frame of reference for the movies that no longer, we don't really see anymore because the styles and what is considered popular has faded away. There's not a lot um, of straight up comedies anymore. Yeah, no, com- one, one, one article I saw put it really well, comedy driven comedies. Yeah. Where the, co- the comedy is what the movie's about. The, I, that, really that has to be one because of trying to appeal to international audiences, right? That, yeah. I, well, I guess, I think, well, actually, so, ugh, we can we can actually kind of, I can kind of jump the gun here because comedy fits into a, a subcategory of, of these dead genres. Um, there's three, I think, three now, now that you say it's comedy, like straight comedy, um, old school slasher movies that aren't remakes and noir films where all three of those genres in their traditional forms no longer really exist or are popular. But what happened is, is that their influence was so, so many things popped into my head when you said all three of those genres. And I'm like, shit, this, I got, I got to pare down in my head. What I want to (laughs) say. It's pretty, pretty sad and depressing actually. (laughs) (laughs) Those those three genres, I think what makes them interesting, which makes it not sad to me, is that all of them became were so well defined and what you could do with them was very direct um, so that there was only so much you could do. The, the ideas aren't thin, but they're very defined lines. So those things were absorbed into other genres. So well, we don't get the, straight. The best yeah. examples, probably yeah. the Marvel movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I was going to say Deadpool. Dead, yeah. Deadpool well, took I, I a mean, comedy-driven comedy and I, I did mean, something like, different. I, I mean, all Marvel movies, though, have a mm. huge emphasis on comedy, or at least the vast majority do. Yeah, and I mean, if you look, it, I mean, if you look, I feel like there is sort of a cutoff point between like the rise of Marvel movies and sort of the the fall of like you said comedy driven comedies like what mm-hmm. what's like the last one that you really remember like the other guys maybe from 2010 that was good yeah uh that was all right the last the last one i really really remember loving that was pure comedy was ted oh yeah, yeah that, and that was around a, the same yeah. time yeah that was like i think that i think ted was prior to like full mcu evolution the Do only guys, ones I can think of, yeah. The Do only ones I can think, think that, of that oh, were sorry. out uh, <laughs> recently were uh, that New Zoolander movie. That was terrible, that, and that wasn't. Yeah, I'm not saying it was either. good, but I'm saying like it exists. Well, there's stuff that exists for all of these. It's just a matter of whether they're both popular and they're actually like making good film, like good well, good content. What were you gonna say, Monty? So for me, I I have to say. A, uh, a comedy that changed uh, at least during my era that changed everything in comedy was i have to say um that cameron diaz movie um there's something about is it there's something about mary? something about mary yeah yeah with the the uh is it the farley brothers or fairly brothers um, yeah i think they're the writers yeah, yeah. they they yeah, brought yeah. something 
a bit edgy. It kind of died out, and then you it, get well. That was like that was like the boom of like rom like the nineties rom com. Yes, it was is was such a <clears throat> was such a like a mecca of cinema. Like, but it's, it, like a, it, it's also niche. an introduction of the edgy comedy. Like they're the the, yeah. the way they handle things, and I, it, it did die off. But I think what kind of brought like there was a blip. And I have to say that blip was Bridesmaids, and that yes. was hilarious. But what I was gonna say was, do you guys think, uh, in in today's time, like the how sensitive the audience are that it's very difficult to make a really raunchy, edgy comedy like they did oh, yeah. back then? I think if you want to have raunchy, success, yes, yeah. I well, I I, I, I feel I, like. I feel like if you had a smart enough script, like a naked gun, and you just took all the racist bits out, Ooh, like I, I, I think that would yeah. still be just as successful. But now. I don't, I don't think we'll ever get a movie like The Invention of Lying. Like one, Ricky Gervais wrote and directed, so that means it's already kind of on the outs. But like a movie that, like directly, not necessarily confrontational, but like it's pure social reality based commentary well yeah. like and dogma like it, yes like dogma we would never <laughs> get a dogma like yeah yeah kevin smith still doesn't even really talk about dogma and it's his best movie yeah yep agreed yeah. i like and like, same with more. red state oh i mean i liked no actually no i i without question dogma's number one tusk is number two though followed by red state i and then I feel like Tusk is very powerful in that it's able to take a silly concept and still make it pretty horrifying. It, it did, I think that that did. juxtaposition yeah. is really impressive. I agree. And it, and it is one of the only modern movies to, to have a justifiable and not horrifically cringy Nazi joke in it. You know what? Yeah. When you guys talk about those, um, I have to say one comedy one of my favorites that I thought was very hilarious, uh, Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles. Yeah, that's mm. a great. You could yeah. never make that movie. You cannot now. make that movie today. <laughs> they, they just remade sure. it. They? Yeah, they did uh, Pause of Fury, they, which is Pause of Fury. No, no, not Pure, like a, Pause of Fury. Uh, sorry, uh, Blazing Samurai. Yes, or Blazing Samurai. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's like a pseudo remake. Yes, a very kid friendly remake of blazing saddles i i actually just watched it you know one night because i was just bored and i thought it was all right not not the best Wait, but but mind one? you blazing that, saddles or blazing samurai blazing samurai blazing samurai okay. and and mind you that film was in development hell for years i'm actually surprised i believe that they got that yeah out. <laughs> Because uh, high actually... concept kid friendly animated movies generally do not do well Hey, Mar- yeah. Marcel, Marcel the Shell is doing great. I, I have a I have a friend who uh, he's a writer for like really young kids shows, like mm-hmm. like Baby Muppets or whatever. And <laughs> hey, Muppet he, Babies he's... actually got me to like films, but yeah, that's another yeah, story. But, well, yeah, because like, you're a child. <laughs> yeah, but like I'm saying, you know, like he doesn't write for. Oh, you're talking people. about the like, the the he remake. Did, he wrote, the, he wrote for like Coco Melon. Yeah, I'm oh, okay. speaking in broad strokes. I don't want to like actually talk about who yeah. he is. But yeah, no, but you anyway, know what? He, he I was, was gonna say 
if you're talking about the recent Muppet Babies, I haven't seen, but the Muppet Babies I grew up back in the eighties. Like, if you guys, oh ever yeah, they were chance, dope. Yeah, like they well, they you, put in like movie clips and everything like that to tell their yeah, story. Yeah, people, yeah, yeah. People yeah. can't comprehend, and I think Ben might make this point to some degrees. How rapid fire child child mild child child content is. Like I I've seen what like a second grader looks at today for like general content and it is unnerving the speed and the intensity with which it's made like the the yeah. it's relentless yeah, and, and how and how fucking creepy it looks too but we're getting yes. off track here <laughs> the the only anecdote i was trying to add here is he was talking about being you know talking about an episode he wrote for a show and he said mm-hmm. he's having a really hard time acclimating to the culture because when it comes mm. to a children's show, everyone's like, oh, this line you put in here, that's so cute. Oh, my goodness. That's the cutest thing. And I'm when really he responds to them, he's like, yeah, man, that's so fucking cute, isn't it? God, I just want to fucking hug it until it fucking <laughs> dies. You know, man, it's so fucking cute. And he told me. I'm still getting booked for stuff, so I guess it doesn't matter that much, but I'm still I'm, trying. I'm really glad whenever I watch this content, and there's specifically a uh, a YouTuber like online platform. I, I can't remember what it's called. I'll, I'll I'll find it later, but it I always want to know what the culture is like around the people who make this show. Because I can't imagine, like in my head, it was either just like, blunt very straightforward like this is what we make we get it out we pump it out that's it or it's like or and if it's gonna be good that's regular kids animated shows i feel i feel that way with this i have a a shocking number of contacts in the animation industry i'm just now realizing (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no like i think the 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 kids shows that I, i i grew up i don't know about you guys but like they were much more um you know i i thought it was much more fun to watch and actually smart yeah. and and goofy like looney tunes like old school looney tunes um like you know for example like peewee's playhouse holy yes. crap that is just like that great is show. a great show and it's you don't see that anymore and i guess would that count as a genre that's kind of Died well, I, off too. Blues Clues is still there. Blues Clues is yeah, still no, the, there, and apparently it's still it's there. It's just, it's just we're we're not the ki- kids that are engaging with the content are different than the kids we were. Yeah, Their I agree. I also want to note that Matt, we we're too we're, we've gone too far from home here. All right, <laughs> I got right, your fishing right. line. All I'm right. reeling you back here. So, okay. So Let's... what I was saying is that slasher movies, traditional comedies, and film noir are genres that are I would traditionally consider dead. But what has happened to them is that they became so generalized that they were absorbed by other genres. So you mm. no longer see them as like the flat, like traditional version anymore. Because There's one exception to that. I think which, the romantic comedy got absorbed by the Hallmark movie. It did. I I agree. I think now when we get when we get rom coms, we either get like strict romance like Crazy Rich Asians or Love Simon that have comedy in them, or we get hardcore movies like Marriage Story. Yeah, you 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 know Monty, 
the uh the i think you'll enjoy this when i worked in film i was in contact regularly with the hallmark people uh because oh, no. even though oh, the yeah, hallmark movies suck for everyone who's like on the project the exception are like whoever the like two or three name lead actors mm-hmm. right on the film the they get paid of the movie as of like five years ago, they got paid like two hundred grand flat per movie, and it was like three weeks of shooting, which is really insane. Yeah, no, like you they, didn't, they, you didn't need to have a ton of. Uh, up here in in uh, Canada, they introduced the Hallmark Channel, and I was yep. like, "What the heck is this?" And yeah, they do I didn't bother. Bango bucks too, <clears throat> but anyway, my point is, the name of the woman. At the time I worked in film, the name of the woman who was like our contact and ran the Hallmark movies, Mm -hmm. her name was Penny Perry. Is that not the most (laughs) Hallmark name you've ever heard in your life, Monty? That's incredible. (laughs) Doesn't it sound like a character? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nice lady, at least to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, no. Uh, I, as soon as yeah. I heard uh, Hallmark, Hallmark Channel, or or whatever the the movies they produce, I'm like, oh my god, are we coming down to this? Like, uh, right. it's pretty sad. But there there is one thing I want to go back to um, when mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, Naked Gun. I heard uh, that um, Liam Neeson is going to be playing the new Frank Driven. <laughs> I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm down with that. I I think that would be good if he gives it the full performance and doesn't like walk through the movie like he does with some of his more recent like you know pump and dump make money movies. He'll be incredible. You know, well, yeah, because all of his movies actually. are takes on Taken. I, yeah. I feel like it'll be good so long as he doesn't try to do an accent. If he just uses yep. his natural voice. I think it'll be great. I think if he tries to put on an American accent or something, I think it's going to suck. I agree. Um, yeah. So let's take it back to the main discussion. So those, those, <laughs> we're in the we intro. Keep going back. We're 50 minutes in and we're at the intro. Oh yep. God, Matt, pick one of them. I am. I, I was saying those three movies got absorbed. And I think a genre that managed to avoid getting absorbed into other genres though there is genres have tones of it um but really represents a genre that has been uh brought back to the forefront is popular um and is really staking its claim to being purely this genre it's folk horror yes um and i think the movie that specifically launched it is the witch the modern the modern real folk folk horror thing that hit the zeitgeist was the witch and then midsummer slocked it in um, so my, my, my pick of the week, my lock of the week to, to quote, uh, in, the people from, uh, Sardana cast is the witch as it revitalized what folk horror was. Yeah. Like, you know what? I have to say, I agree. Um, and I think it's catching on even on the, I would say on the Asian end, cause oh, really? you guys are saying I'm the Asian movie uh specialist on this podcast <laughs> yes you are <laughs> but um it's one of just, your many roles they just recently uh there's a lot of tales that are being brought back which is like folk horror and they're really Ooh. they see that the u.s are doing it and now they're bring they're doing it too as well and there's been the last five years has 
they've come out with the these folk hordes and the most recent one now and it's like broke a lot of box office in 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 taiwan and the asian cinema is called incantation and it's on netflix and i've been waiting to want to see it with you guys actually but i i I watched i did do it i did watch it a little bit but i wanted to save it with you guys but that movie apparently they were trying to do the the combination of found footage mockumentary and add a dose of folk horror and and Ooh. it's also based on a real case that um that occurred in my aunt's city in in Kaohsiung, Taiwan. And, Whoa. All right, well yeah. we got to watch this. But yeah, no, going, I agree going like on it, the list. like going back to what Matt is saying, the folk horror is there is something happening with that and it's really yeah. really good. And right it was now. it was really quiet because really there's only like there's traditionally like in the history of film you have what happened in the 70s for folk horror. Oh yeah. And then yeah. and then nothing else really happened. Like there were folk horror-esque movies and there's been there's been some here and there but since like Wicker Man, Witchfinder General and um I think Black Claw of Satan is the movie. I've- I feel like I I get the vibe of folk horror a lot more from uh from Asian horror uh and in general like with uh what was the one we just watched at the uh oh 2359 2359 I think that's sort of like a folk horror Yeah, yeah. the folk well but like, that's you can say that kind of about ghost movies but I I feel like I feel like that might that kind of fits into its own because I think folk... it's more the aesthetic though, right? Well, so yeah. so all right, because like 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 with Piedmont, you you know, it's like yeah, it's a comedy largely, but it's still a horror and it takes place in the backwoods. Like I feel like location and ambiance plays a big I, role in differentiating. And P Mac is actually uh, a, also based on a true uh story and yeah. and yeah it's like you're right it's it's all these these things that are coming around like um asian uh, you know like for example let's talk about 2359 there is a big thing about uh stories from the military horror mm-hmm. genre like there's i remember my my aunts used to tell me a lot of stories because she's a nurse on one of the military bases in Taiwan, and there's a lot of, lot of stories. And here's another thing that I would share with you guys is, in Taiwan, uh, when I was studying there, the schools, I wouldn't say all of them, but most of the schools, like elementary schools, were former Japanese um, uh, concentration camps. Oh, and shit. you hear, and oh. and that's another thing that's also. I'm not. I'm not sure if you guys ever caught on, but you should check out like school horror stories, uh, Asian from Asian films. It really yeah, does I, I th- tell a lot of stories. I hmm. I thought when I first encountered the, like the school based Asian horror genre, it was in Cabin in the Woods, and I thought it was like making like a like a that was like poking like a very broad joke. And then when I like dove into it, like there is a lot of very, almost very uncomfortable, like school ghost and horror that all takes place in schools for ki- with kids. Yeah, like the schools there are very creepy. Mind you, I 
I went to study in Taiwan when I was a kid, and um, yeah. there the the cities I I lived in were small, and okay. the schools are just it's just windows. There's not that I recall, but there was no lights. It's it's nothing, and the assembly we would take is we would go out into the field, the track field, for our assembly. And I also heard stories. Can't confirm it, but I heard stories yeah. that there's a there's a, a a pedestal where the principal and teachers do their announcements to the school, and that used to be the execution um, place <laughs> where shit, people get their heads that's chopped awesome. off. Yeah. I want to make this movie during during World War Two, and it's it's like it's crazy. Like there is, uh, you know what? I'll I will show you guys some of the films, and we can talk about it. But there is one, um, also a Thai film that's based on the school one. It's kind of a, a a very simple, gentle one. I'm looking at my DVD library. I the title just you know escaped yeah, my brain slips. right now but it's definitely something that i would like to share with you guys to check out yeah definitely oh it's called the dorm the dorm yes. the dorm okay yeah we've had a lot of horror stories in a, in a dorm before we've made a lot of horror stories in the dorm boom yeah we, um we made one more. one thing i will say um to bring it back uh, um <laughs> <laughs> so it's, my, it's, it's, it's my line of the week I think um, that's the title of this episode Bring yeah, it bring back, it back. <laughs> um, Bring it back Well that fits That does fit for this week's topic as well um, Much like these genres People get distracted um, one, one thing I just wanted to specifically talk about When you talked about Ben What is full core And you're like oh it's just the aesthetic And No I think, I'm not saying it's just the aesthetic I know I'm but the aesthetic is very important and one, I was watching a fantastic uh, video and reading a fantastic uh, article that was shared by the Eldritch Archives. Um, the Eldritch Archives on YouTube. He's a, very, he's a small YouTuber, but his content is outstanding when it comes to breaking down this kind of thing. And he really dove into the academic texts and the origin, at least in the Western world, of what folk horror became. And folk horror traditionally deals in the in this lens that I'm speaking of, like um, Witchfinder General or Wicker Man, is a fear of those who represent what we used to be in the past and beliefs mm. and and structures that we no longer follow. So to me, that's what makes that's what I consider a movie like Children of the Corn. I don't consider that folk horror because those are just crazy people, but they are still to some degree representative of the modern people they're just extreme versions of it where you know, in folk horror you're encountering culture that represents the human past and our fear of grappling with that um and i think it was the eldrick archivist or um what was her name um, it's, a, it's actually interesting that you bring that up because i think it you know introduces a potentially deeper subject line about how you know it, it, it might play on our uh, sort of ingrained fears right mm -hmm. like how yeah. if you see a stick on the ground you're very likely to jump because humans are predisposed to look out for snakes you know which yeah. has been ingrained in us since we were you know just yeah. regular ape apes what what matt and, and was saying it actually you know when he was talking about that i was actually thinking about the old grimm's tales that i used mm -hmm. to read and yeah listen to yeah yeah, there's some. A it's, there's it's a the lot fear of, of the old world of like yeah. of what what it's 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 humans have spent a lot of our time removing wilderness and the wild because it's it's not safe and we can't control it. 
and yes, what yeah. what makes what is a great tool of horror which is why I, I always say like wicker man is a great movie but it's the scariest movie in the world if you were like an uptight religious person in england at the time that it came out in the 70s because oh so it, we're not talking about the nick cage one no <laughs> i still am young sir oh. and, but in and, and a movie like midsommar um puts it very puts the ritual very forward like wicker man does where what that movie isn't like ah spooky it's the fear of what these people are willing to do and capable of doing and it creates a lens for the viewer that kind of is like that's what we were that's who we were and it creates a fear um the i, I believe it was the youtuber what's so great about that put it really well um when she said that folk horror isn't scary because of the folk it's scary because of the folks it's the people mm. who are out who are us but are live in a live in such a structured way that is terrifying so, like in midsummer when they do the suicide ritual in the beginning of the movie the characters are incredibly disturbed and it, it is filmed very brutally but the people of that culture are just like yeah this is what we do and, i you gotta know, they, check they, that movie out actually ooh, oh man we're Ooh, we're gonna watch that movie it's one of i've watched the movie so many times i it is the modern day wicker man i'm getting um, the scent that matt is which now, movie is getting into his uh the cult thing that he wants to talk about too <laughs> i am the cult um but that that we can put a pin unless unless ben or, or mon did you have anything else you guys want to no, say about no, I, and then we can I, we can no, jump to I'm chapter good. two of three I, yeah, no, I, I, I think, think that's, that's a good place to put it. Monty, what would you like to bring to the table? Monty, sorry. <laughs> I think that, you know, that is a great educational reference, Ben. Thank you. Well, I, I think that, you know, we we can talk about more of this. Um, mm -hmm. It's definitely a subject that I, I, I think Matt and I offline, we have talked about a lot mm -hmm. and we shared um, – our culture's uh different styles of you know folk horror um yeah. fairy uh i would say grim tales um yeah, the grim fairy yeah. tales it's you know what it, it does bring back a lot of my childhood memories uh again mm -hmm. growing up in taiwan there is these volumes of children's book that actually it's it, ref it reflects a lot on the grim's tale but it's also told based on the chinese uh folk lores and i would i would i'll share that with you guys and maybe we can talk about that like yeah, some this, other I, I do have i do have i have one question and, and then we'll probably dive into this more in a different episode like you just yep. said but yep. in i mean i know it's different it's gonna be different in every culture around the area but in your experience mm -hmm. um is like so you know how in like Game of Thrones, like there's the old gods, like what the people uh, pre-Christianity or pre, let's say like 3000 years ago, like the faith and the spirits they were believing in and worshiping Yes. in, in America and in Europe, all of that's been supplemented by either Arabic faiths or um, Judeo-Christian faiths. And they have pushed down and created the pagan culture, which is all the other religion, all the polytheistic religions of the past. And, yeah. you know, in, in my experience, that's true. That's the culture that we have in, in your culture and the culture you experienced that was, you know, different than the traditional Western culture. Were like the old gods still like, were they considered still real? Like outside of like secularism, like, is that, is, is that kind of belief structure like distant in the past and something fringe people do, or is it still to some degree, like a mainstream 
it structural is, belief. It is still uh, a very big part of uh, my culture. Um, there's a huge, um, I would say, like a t- the Taoist type of belief, um, and there is there's so many branches, uh, you know. But it all still, it, it all comes rooted deeply rooted in in Buddhism, um, but then they kind of have their own thing. Uh, that that branches off and have you know then you have um talk about deities and deities would be something almost similar to like greek mythology i i feel that's how it is like so you have like you know the god of money um the god of hell the the courts of hells and yeah there's a a lot and and especially the hell aspect i think it does tie a lot to Dante's Inferno and how that, oh. that story comes along. That's like that. I can huh. go into that a lot because that's one of the, my favorite childhood stories is learning oh. about hell and learning about, you know, your parents tell you these stories that of what to do and what not to do. So you become a good kid and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But I have to say in Asian culture, I think that's, that's how most of us learned. Um, it's all through these type of stories, these type of, um, yeah. you know, like you said, myth, I guess myth would probably, mythologies yeah. or myth would it, probably be one of the, the, would go well with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say what makes, what makes that, that lens of things unique in folk horror and in, in Western folk horror is that since those belief systems are so distant from what most people tangibly experience in their day to day culture, they feel more horrifying because they're so unknown. Yes. But I feel like yeah. like when I watch a movie like um like the original Ringu, or I don't I don't know if I'm saying it right. Ringu? Um yeah. yeah. The and that movie it like it's a ghost story that has like a lot of like interlaced like or the grudge uh yeah, the grudge where both of those have like an interlaced story that has to do with like the spirituality and why she's a ghost and all of that stuff. But it yes. doesn't feel yeah. like something that's coming from the distant past. It feels like something that is this like part of the culture, which where in non-Christian ghost or supernatural movies and that are Western, usually the supernatural force is like, unless it's like a, a ghost or aliens is treated as like something ancient, like something yeah. from like the deep past. Cause like those things don't exist anymore in our culture. You know what I mean? Is that, that makes it might, does my point make sense? Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. You don't see it that much in Western culture. Um, or not that I've none that I've I've um, you know encountered on, um, but yeah, with with Asian culture, surprisingly, it is it still exists today. And yeah, it's still you know what, prominent. like yeah, like for example, a, a movie that you and Ben just talked about, P Mac, is actually based on one uh, one folk story that is you know that happened a long time ago, and they still have. She has a temple that people still go to and and worship her um wow yeah and oh, yeah, it, it felt her. Yeah. yeah right yeah You're i don't have life. people praying to me at my temple now <laughs> <laughs> like we can start one <laughs> but yeah no, you know what man now that you brought it up i think it is we're entering ghost month in in asian culture actually Ooh. where it's, Ooh, uh, it's we can it's, work with that yeah, and and um, it's one of my favorite time of the year because it's also it's kind of like um, the 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 in Mexico the Day of the Dead 
kind of mm. celebration for Deus us. Yes, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not only like spooky or anything. It's also time where we kind of pay our respects to mm-hmm. our ancestors that have moved on to the other ha- realm ha- and everything. Ha- so yeah, have you seen Kubo of the Two Strings? Yes, yes. Okay, that that was my exposure to the, that that kind of like ritual mo- that like month. Like that, like Day of the Dead, where they do the lantern lighting, like it's incredibly respectful, but also dangerous. Like at the same time, it's like beautiful. Oh yeah, I, were... I learned, that movie makes me cry every time I watch it. Yeah, like um, I still remember my grandparents. Like during the summer months, um, there are a lot of rules that we had to follow um, during this month um, <laughs> or this this festival, right? And it's it's. Uh, there's a lot of good stories there, but there's too much to tell. Like, you're n- let's bring like, it back. Yeah, we we got to bring it back a little bit. Yeah, we got to bring this back. Um, <laughs> back we'll to bring you, it back. Monty. Yeah, what's Monty? Your what's... Tell, tell us what's your genre for this week. <laughs> My genre in three in three to four subgenres that relate to it in a convoluted side story about television. <laughs> uh. I don't know. It's. I think it's, everything has been pretty much touched on. I think I wanted to talk well, about the parody stuff, but we can always come back. To, we can always bring it back, you know. So, and well, I'll tell you one we have not talked about. Let's hear. I've been Monticello. excited. Monticello. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ben. Yes. And that is the disaster movie. <sighs> oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. What a genre. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I can't remember I feel like the what, last I, good I, disaster movie I watched. You know, In the so, Mouth of Madness is the last great disaster movie. So I feel like classical disaster movies really fell off once the sci-fi channel was, like, once CG got it's, good enough it, well, for sci-fi the, to do, like, sci-fi channel originals every week. It's once because, the like, the ended. story was really secondary to the spectacle of things breaking apart. Yeah. No, you um, know, uh, and, I just want to clarify. Like, when you say disaster movies, would post-apocalyptic be counted, or are you just talking? No, about nature no. Stuff? I mean, the actual disaster taking place throughout the movie. So, and so zombie like, movies, the don't core count. would be yes. a disaster movie okay. or Towering Inferno. But zombie later. movies, Escape from it, L.A. No, because I feel like the terrain <laughs> needs to change. Okay. All right. So wait, does like, the happening count? Because the wind changed. Yeah, that's a that's that's a that's a disaster film. I I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd qualify that as a disaster movie. Lava Lantula would qualify yeah. as a disaster <laughs> movie. Twi- um, Twisters, a localized disaster movie. Yes, absolutely. A, a, a Twisters are natural disasters. Yes. Volcano yeah. with Is sly. There, are there? Yeah, any, there are was there per- any good tsunami movies. Twenty twelve. Uh, Deep Impact, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah I don't think pack. I don't think 2012 was good. I didn't see it, but I don't think it was. 2012 wasn't great, uh, but but that's the thing is okay. that at yeah. this point you've really seen most of what there is for a disaster movie. So like the visuals can't really get more spectacular. You need to get really out there. Like I watched The Rock San Andreas. I don't know oh, why yes. I did, but I did, yeah. and I mean you know it's what did, you would expect, which is I can't remember seen... anything from it. Um, but I I watched a movie, okay, and um, because because I've been flying multiple times recently, on the way 
down to Nashville for SummerSlam, I saw a movie called Moonfall. Yes. I was just going to say that. Oh, that was and the last disaster I, movie I saw. Yeah. And, and, and before I say anything, this is a yes or no question. Have you guys watched Moonfall? Yes, I have. Oh, okay, Matt? <laughs> I fell asleep. Okay, about how far how far in did you fall asleep, Matt? I think I got about an hour in. Yes, because yeah. I remember I remember I remember Samuel Tully yelling, uh, like doing his like um, like web channel thing. Yeah, so uh, I I came into this expecting a basic movie about I, I expected it to be like the core, right? Yeah. Which is a Way movie, too long. A, yeah. You know, we're like, this is a movie where the moon is careening into the earth and they need to fix it. Or like Armageddon. Realistically, you could never actually fix it, but it's like a cool concept. Right, right, exactly. Um, What I ended up getting instead uh, was a movie where the first third is a disaster movie. Mm -hmm. The second third is like a mystery disaster movie and the last third is just straight up sci-fi with disaster elements yes yeah i wish i had not fallen asleep this movie the last hour gets a lot more boring uh this movie i enjoyed the last bit about the mega structure theory about space and stuff like wait what okay this movie felt so weird to me and then I realized about a third of the way through what this movie was. Because I noticed that the movie was funded by the government of mainland Taiwan. Which, for the purposes really? of the rest oh. of this episode, oh my we God, will ben. just label as China. Um, <laughs> so, wow, that's very gutsy, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, what, what are they going to do? Come over here, motherfuckers. <laughs> um can't colonize so us. anyway uh so the first thing i notice is that the movie's funded by tencent which is yep. you know chinese government subsidiary One of the largest uh, and most financially yeah. successful companies in the world there's barely any asian people involved in the movie except for several executive producers hmm. uh somehow this is a roland emmerich movie i don't know how they got him in on this but what I realized he's, about he's a third trying, of the way through to... is that this movie is a QAnon power fantasy movie. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I, the more the more you talk about, the more this movie comes back. And, and I was watching it. I thought it was so strange. So you want a conspiracy theory. You want a hot take. I think Moonfall was created and in part to create more questioning of the American government and to encourage QAnon believers. I, you know what? I, until you, you mentioned the, the, the Chinese part of it, I did not know that actually. So, so Hmm. I, I mean, it's not just the fact that like a lot of the dialogues weird and stilted, but I, I started taking notes throughout the movie the hero character, not the main character, but the hero character, is a loser QAnon adjacent nerd who 
has tons of conspiracy theories, but in this movie, they all happen to be right. And they're based off of actual conspiracy theories that people have like in those spheres. Right. Doesn't doesn't the movie become a hollow, a hollow moon? Yes. It's a hollow moon theory with a Dyson sphere in the center. Yes. Dwarf star. That's okay. Hold fuck this movie. Okay. But like like, the movie, I got like, sorry, the movie like eases you into it slowly. And so, because it starts out where there's just like a weird AI alien thing that attacks the ship and no one believes him. It turns into the U.S. government's deliberately hiding secrets from you. Oh, look, this one woman who has a Chinese exchange student nanny. She's the one person who will stand up to the government. Oh, none of this would have gotten out if it wasn't for the QAnon adjacent user who posted it to Twitter and got millions of people to see that the moon is falling to the earth. Thank God for this one nerd who somehow was looking for the coordinates of the moon to see if it just so happened to be falling out of orbit. The writing in this movie, by the way, is horrendous. And we'll get to that because that's the fun part. But this is like the... This is like the weird shit part. You know what? The, my my take from that after you before you talked about it, I I thought it was Roland Emmerich's. You know, it's like him combining his past disaster films, yep. his past you know obviously Independence Day film, and uh, you know he's just it's like kind of like he's throwing everything in this movie and just calling it a day kind of yeah, that, that's what i got from it. exactly this, yeah it's this like his he last ran out of chance to make a, good, a blockbuster <laughs> a blockbuster and he failed yeah yeah he got, yeah. He, got he like if you look at his career ghost chase not a, no one saw that moon 44 no one saw that we get a bunch of movies that no one saw he did this 1994 stargate movie then he did independence day then he did 98's godzilla then the patriot then day after tomorrow after day Quote. after tomorrow, he did ten thousand BC in twenty twelve. <laughs> then White House down and in Independence Day resurgence. Midway and then Moonfall. So he uh, he Can made we his talk money. about how White House. Actually, we shouldn't talk about how White House down and that other White House invasion movie ha- came out within like a month of each other. Um, yeah, there's uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, don't forget so, an- anonymous. <laughs> oh god oh yeah quote you're lying to them get in line you work for me i work for the american people really strong stuff in here guys uh they the only way they are able to get up into space is because the chinese willingly donate their ultra super sexy sleek new moon rover and drone which just so happens to also be shaped like the alien drones they give out later in the movie and (laughs) and that's what really gets them to the moon and saves the day whereas all the americans have to use are a bunch of ships that fuck up and blow up all the time 
Wait, uh, are we talking about Independence? The ending for no, Independence is, Day or Moonfall? No, this Just is kidding. Moonfall. This is <laughs> Just all kidding. Moonfall here. But you see we, the oh, parallel, have, right? Yeah. This is yes. Parallel. Yes, I do. I do. No, this is a this is QAnon Independence Day. The movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> they have the Chinese foreign exchange student is teaching the heroine's son to speak Chinese. And every time he speaks Chinese, they're like, wow, that sure is the language of the future, isn't it? You're getting real good. And he throws like pithy one-liners at people in Chinese to be like, wow, isn't Chinese a cool language? You know what? For for uh, someone that speaks Chinese, I was actually very impressed how accurate they are <laughs> when they were. No, speaking. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm not saying he did a bad job. He did a great job. Yeah. But like in context, what really gave it away for me is when the heroine is talking to the evil American boss who's quitting because he can't handle the stress, and she's asking him for details on what's going on because she thinks he knows more than he's letting on, and she exclaims. You've got Q clearance. Oh my god, what? Yeah, they said Holy I, I rewound it and made sure I heard it right. Quote, <laughs> you've got Q clearance. Why would they say that for any other reason? Oh, because that's no. the only time they reference it. It's just <laughs> that thrown is so out intentional. As a little Easter egg, but like, come on. Yeah. Um, it's really it's really funny that this movie does this because there's a parody movie that um actually kind of tries to ref- shows a reflection of what modern parody is uh it's a movie called iron sky and iron sky the coming race and oh, it's a movie about nazis who invade the earth from their secret hollow moon base yeah imagine <laughs> yeah. that but it's taken seriously yeah exactly that's, I was, that's the difference is this movie yeah. takes itself seriously and that's the, that's how you should actually do this movie as a parody. I, I will say, Matt, you fell asleep before the moon starts actively trying to attack the Earth with earthquakes and tsunami waves. Fuck yeah. <laughs> like, like, like this movie is like the spiritual successor to The Happening. Where like yes. the happening, the wind is killing people. Here, the moon targets China. Slam dunks on Earth. Targets China with an earthquake. The moon makes itself heavier, and it makes it so heavy it creates. We're gonna get to the. Well, no, I'll just talk about it now. Yeah, go, go, go. The this movie is the, and I'll admit, my fiance is a rocket scientist, right? And she's extremely talented and beautiful, and I love her very much. Uh, Getting off track, anyway. Uh, but with her in mind, I was watching this movie and I have never seen a movie more hilariously inaccurate regarding anything involving space in my life. They put a manned mission to the moon together in less than a week. Yes. In like five days. Oh my God. The ESA doesn't even have a manned spacecraft. That they could shoot over. They have asteroids that slam into this fucking space shuttle Endeavor. That they get in working shape after it's been hanging in a museum for 20 fucking years. Easy. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. fuck is it, it, I'm it, glad I fell asleep. 
it's so wacky and and out of it, out it there. It is. It is like so brutal. They they use hand calculations inside the shuttle to direct <laughs> themselves to the moon with Why? with rocket engines where one of them does not work so you have three engines on the rocket one of them's not working and they're like that's all right we can still go straight up with this we'll make it <laughs> we'll make it that's not going to throw anything off oh yeah that uh, thing also they, bothered me the, as well the endeavor is collides with a gravity wave a <laughs> super wave created by the moon that's trying to actively stop it from launching and then once we make it into space once we get through all of this they go inside the moon interact with the moon that has a talking ai inside of it that can use people's thoughts and talks to you to see if you're worthy to carry on the human species and then who saves the day in the end, who explodes themselves but the QAnon guy? Yeah. Who says, I was useless. They all thought I was useless on Earth, but I'm proving to everyone that I am doing the, that I always did the right thing. And they affirm him, Yes, you oh. are a hero doing what you've <laughs> done for all of these years. And uh. so he blows himself up to kill the evil ai that was created by humans on a planet several galaxies away billions of years ago and then they sent the moon over to try and find a new hospitable planet that then injected the dna of the human race into the earth which somehow took several billion more years for humans to show up who knows i think they also do hollow earth in that movie too don't they at the end and then no no they don't do hollow earth no Uh, no And, but then at the end, the moon downloaded his AI. So he's going <laughs> to team up with the moon yes! to carry on the human race. The because he is QAnon adjacent and he is a hero. They get back to Earth. The The guy's son goes up to him and he says, where's your friend? <laughs> he saved us all. <laughs> like, this guy has never had flight training. He went from not not even thinking he would be on a spaceship to flying to the moon in under two hours. Oh, mate. Oh, my. And he knew how to pilot the fucking yeah, from video games. spaceship Endeavor. He played, he played FTL. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, it, it was, oh, my God. Anyway, oh, wow. so Q saved the day. That's Moonfall. Um, it, the I, the story is very basic. It made it, it. It really seems like a movie where like they designed it so that it could be in mainland Taiwan without too many issues. You know um, what? I have to say, I, I'll and I'll quote one IMDb reviewer right here that I'm looking at. It's a quote no brainer sci fi popcorn shizzle. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> Yes, it is a shizzle. Yeah. I I also noticed something which I see a lot in uh, mainland Taiwan movies where they always seem to have something about sacrificing everything for like the greater good. 
So they specifically made a note of saying like, oh, yes, all the humans sacrificed themselves on this utopian planet so that they could send their genetic code out and keep life alive for the future, which is like that all for one type of thing. I, I, I see a lot in mainland Taiwan <laughs> cinema. Well, um, I guess you got to break some eggs to make a good omelet. <laughs> I will. I will say. I, but a, a I mean, good, it was an actual good like, Chinese disaster movie. Is the Wandering Earth? Oh, I mean, my it wasn't God. sure. It wasn't Ugh. great, but it was. It was all right. But anyway, <laughs> the moon is a traveling dwarf star, and um, that makes sense. <laughs> and and all the conspiracy theorists are right. And the only ones they say are wrong in the show are ones who are, like, deliberately, like, Sesame Street stupid. Yeah. They're the To be like, if if anyone's put an ounce of research into a conspiracy theory, they're right, guys. So <laughs> Yeah, they can't be wrong. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean that's, like, what the movie was saying. So, I, I, truly, I think it veers into the happening level so bad it's good category. Ooh, okay. I really yeah. do. I think that like years from now, people might look at this as like a, what the fuck was this type of thing? Yeah. Like why did this exist? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I know why it existed. Now we all know. Yeah. Well, what makes it, re- makes it even more funny is that a lot of the, a lot of these movies are still popular, but only on like weird streaming services. Like things like Shutter and these other streaming services really have made the idea of genres dying almost impossible because some nerds are gonna be making like as much content as they can and dumping it onto other online online websites. Well, you can't blame them for not trying. Oh yeah, no, I don't because yeah. every now and then you get a gem. Yeah, every you na- do. every now and then you get a How Mason Birds the Plague. Oh Monty! Oh my God! We gotta show you how Mason Berg's the plague. But no, we have to. We have to show him the plague, Both. and then how Mason Berg's the plague. What's that? How Mason? Well, that's that's for another episode, Mister Monty. <laughs> um, I, I I feel like we covered a lot of good ground here. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything anyone would like to add before we close out here? Uh, or any or any good parody anecdotes you'd like to add? All right. <laughs> I want to that one. All right. Uh, no, I was. I, the only thing I would say is that what I think is really interesting about some of these genres is that we are seeing modern, very unique iterations on them, um, and that's really exciting. Like the modern movies taking <clears throat> stuff like the noir film and making movies like Seven, making movies like Drive, like John Wick. Um, Allowing movies like Men, like Midsummer, like X, which are taking these traditional genres and doing them in like a new way is really incredible because we're yeah. actually getting original stories. You, um, I was just you, like to you, say, you, I don't think you John hit the Wick. mark right there. I think it's like that's the thing we 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 lack. Like for the last little while, I think we lacked a lot of original stories. Yeah. Um, like I, I'll, I'll just throw this one that I just saw a couple of days ago, um, called. Dave made a maze, and I thought Dave? as an original story, that's actually a really, it's it's a, 
horror slash comedy slash fantasy. And like what we were oh. talking about last week about Labyrinth, um, mm-hmm. this is definitely something you check out. Basically, this guy built a maze out of cardboard in his apartment. And he got lost in it. So his friends and his wife has to go in. And when they went into the cardboard box, like a children, you know, fridge box, yeah. it turns into this huge labyrinth. That's amazing. awesome. Fuck, we need to yeah. watch this movie. But yeah, that's that's my piece. I guess that will be my last piece on this episode. I, and- I agreed with everything you said, Matt, except John Wick is not a film noir. No, it's not. I But it, inv- it incorporates noir aesthetics. As as I was saying, because noir has been absorbed into other genres, we don't get. I, I think straight it's noir closer films to a James Bond than a film noir. Mm, I, I, we could get into like what what represents a within the system, um, like because like a lot of a lot of film noir, one of the character traits is like the detective coming back or trying to get out, and that being like a linchpin to like the motivations of the character. And I feel like a movie like James but Bond, where he's not just about doing his getting out in John Wick. No, no, but that's he wanted to, and like in a film noir, like like in Seven, um, the uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Morgan Freeman's character is actively trying to leave the force and doesn't well, want different. to be involved, and is like John Wick. So John good. Wick wants to be in this because he's pissed off. Well, he's forced but... into it. He didn't want to. He was retired. He's just getting revenge, and noir noir films have a whole subsect of stories all based around the character getting revenge or like solving the crimes of what happened. I I think I I see where Matt's going. I mean, yes, the first one is like him getting back in to mm-hmm. you know take his revenge, but the sequels the, are much more. The intense. sequels are him trying to just like okay, I I've done my due diligence. I'm not back in the game. I just want out of this game. And now everyone's going after him because they just rubbed him the wrong way, you know. So yeah, yeah, I, I I see where you're going, but I also agree with Ben. I don't I don't see it as a noir, um, but I do yeah. have to say that that film actually um, helped uh, the the you know the 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 stuntman industry, like you know. Oh really? It. it Provided them a voice. Like, I always thought mm. that, I always see that, you know, I respect a lot of stuntmen's, um, you know, the the stuff they do on set. And I think John Wick was a stepping stone uh, yeah. that stunt people can actually make really good um And it was made films. with, like, actual, like, the people who yeah, made the movie. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Or from yeah. the industry. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully the fourth movie and the john wick franchise is going to be great because ben but first... probably won't because unlike this show it's not always true that the fourth times the charm good night <laughs> and good morning the beginning of the episode to follow us all on instagram monty you need like a sign out thing Say something good. Uh, good night, and and uh, we'll no, see that's you what, guys that's my thing. You pick, you pick, <laughs> pick my own thing. Yeah, it's got to be uniquely mine. See you later, folks. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I don't know, <laughs> but I'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs>